You're invited to The Prom, the next Broadway in Chicago show at the Cadillac Palace Theater, playing for one week only, April 19th through 24th. This show is described as having a Jewish soul. The Prom is a musical comedy about big Broadway stars on a mission to change the world and the love they discover that unites them all. Okay, real talk. I saw this show on Broadway and was dancing in my seat the whole time when I wasn't crying. Okay, sometimes I was dancing and crying at the same time. The Prom makes you believe in musical comedy again and is so full of happiness that you think your heart is going to burst. Everyone deserves a chance to celebrate at the Cadillac Palace Theater for one week only, April 19th through 24th. And Mishkan Chicago gets a special discount code. The code is PARTY49 for $49 tickets, valid for April 19th and 20th, evening shows only, and the 21st in the orchestra, dress circle, and loge seating area. Again, PARTY49. So get tickets now at broadwayinchicago.com. Welcome to the Morning Scroll. I'm Rabbi Dina Cowens from Mishkan Chicago, and you're listening to what will be a special Passover recap episode. Because Passover falls over two Saturdays this year, in the diaspora at least, we don't have a new Parsha from the Torah last week or this week, but we didn't want to leave you episodeless for two whole weeks, so welcome to your special Passover edition of the Morning Scroll. I'm going to do what I usually do, which is recap the story quickly and then pull out one thing to hold on to. So... The prologue to our story is that 400 years ago, there was a guy named Abraham who didn't have any children for a while, which stressed him out. So he fetched to his BFF God who told him, don't worry, good news. You're going to have so many descendants. Bad news, they're going to be enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. But more good news, I'm going to get them out of there and I'm going to bring them back here to your homeland. So fast forward 400 years and God does exactly what God promised. The Israelites have indeed become a huge nation, which scares the Pharaoh who says, let's kill the babies, specifically Israelite male babies. And one woman is like, no, no, I love my baby. He's so special. Don't kill him. So she puts him in a box and she floats him down the river, asking Miriam, her daughter, to watch him. Baby in the box gets lucky, floats into Pharaoh's daughter and ends up getting adopted into her household. He grows up in the palace, but he's still a pretty good guy. So when he sees an Egyptian beating an Israelite slave, he flies into a rage, kills the Egyptian, and then has to flee before Grandpa Pharaoh gets mad. He winds up in a place called Median, where he gets a great father-in-law and a wife. And one day he's out with his sheep and he sees this bush on fire. So he does the unpredictable thing of walking closer to the mini forest fire to check it out. Well, the bush starts talking to him and says, Hi, Moses, I'm God. I have a mission for you. And Moses internally is like, wow, really should have stayed home today. But outwardly is like, um, sorry, God bush thing. I don't think I'm the right guy. And God's like, no, no, really you are. The Israelites are suffering. They're your people. I want you to redeem them. But I need a human helper. So I choose you. Back in Egypt land, God tells Moshe to go visit Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. Pharaoh obviously isn't thrilled by this idea, so God's like, ooh, you want to play hard to get? Take this, buddy, and directs Moshe to wave his staff around, and suddenly weird things are happening, like all the water turns to blood, and then there's frogs everywhere, and then all the Egyptians get lice, and it rains these fiery balls of ice, and everything goes dark, blah blah blah, and through all of this, Pharaoh is being super stubborn and messing with Moshe and being like, you can leave, just kidding, no, you have to stay, wait, actually you can leave, but no, actually you have to stay. Finally, God's like, okay, enough already. Moshe, go tell the Israelites to pack their stuff, kill a lamb, smear its blood on the door so my death angel knows not to bother them. And then that night, the angel of death comes around and kills every firstborn Egyptian in the houses with no blood on the doors. 
This death of the firstborn kind of breaks Pharaoh. So he orders the Israelites out and they scurry to leave for some reason deciding to take their raw bread dough with them, as well as a bunch of gold, silver, and other stuff from their Egyptian neighbors and an Erev Rav, a bunch of other people who decide to ride this thing out with them. Problem is, they scurry right into the sea just as Pharaoh decides actually he does still want his free labor. At the last minute, God comes through and the sea splits and the Israelites are able to rush through it to safety on the other side. Doesn't go so well for the Egyptians, who all drown when the sea goes back to normal. The end. Or, well, not the end, because there's still most of a Torah to go in which the Israelites have to learn to have a relationship with God and live as a nation, etc. But for Passover, this is where our story ends. Now, if you read this story in the Haggadah, it comes out looking pretty different. In the Torah, the main character of the story looks like it's Moshe, but in the Haggadah, Moshe isn't even mentioned. I find this rather odd. Throughout the story of the Exodus in the Torah, I keep wondering to myself, why does this apparently all-knowing and all-powerful God need a human messenger like Moshe? Why can't God just do the dang thing God's self? So for me, the plot twist is that the way that we ritually retell this story every year makes it seem like God did just poof, make this happen which I find kind of irritating. Like, why wipe out the human who is God's channel? So here's my take on the answer to that question. Each version of the story teaches us something about how to bring a better world. The Torah version, where Moshe, a flawed human, is the agent of liberation, teaches us that even in the face of what seems like mythic, intractable oppression, humans are the ones who make change in the world, who act as God's agents because we, the ones who live in the world, have to be the ones to fix it. The other version of the story, the one we tell at the Seder, where God's mighty hand and outstretched arm just appear one day to pluck us from slavery, reminds us that miracles are possible if we have faith. That we should never despair because our suffering is seen, it does matter, and one day it can and will change for the better. So Chag Sameach, may you be blessed to make change in the world and to experience miracles. I'll see you next week. <laughs>